0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Question for you. What is it that makes for a good story, right? Whether it's a novel or a short story, a movie or a television series, or whether it's just someone who likes to tell stories around the campfire or around the kitchen table, or a good story in Sunday school from the Bible. What is it? They sort of have common elements. There's often a tragedy, probably some kind of a struggle, struggle between good and evil often, Um, relationships, emotions. right? No matter if the story is way up there, like Star Wars, even Star Wars, and none of us have been to outer space as far as I know, but the relationships the things that go on in the story are relatable. And that's what makes a good story. Our theme today, as I've mentioned, focused love finds a neighbor instead of avoiding one. We kind of understand where that theme comes from with the gospel reading, the Good Samaritan story. But that idea that focused love finds a neighbor wouldn't you agree that that's the story of the Bible? That's the story of God from the beginning, finding
1: lost creatures that didn't
0: want to live under Him. Okay, and that story of the Bible, um, from beginning to end, it was conceived well before time existed, well before words and stories even began to show up. In fact. Every story in the Old Testament or in the New Testament is like a little portion of the bigger story of the Bible, right? And I would say even more than that, even stories outside the Bible, like the stories on movies or TV shows or in books, in some way or another, they kind of reflect the story of the Bible. The two stories that demonstrate that, the story of Ruth from the Old Testament and the story of the Good Samaritan, well, I've chosen to use the story of Ruth this morning to sort of to dig into it. Both of these stories are familiar, uh, but maybe sometimes looking at the details will find things for us to take home for ourselves and, and hopefully see, once again, the bigger picture. The story of the Bible. Okay, I think this text kind of is helpful um, to kind of just walk through it. So you might want to have your um, worship folder open with the Old Testament lesson. I'm not going to read it, but um, we will walk through that a little bit, starting with the first two verses. And there we hear when sort of the context when this happened during the time of the judges. Now this was a time when God's people had left Egypt. They'd wandered. They were in. The Promised Land, but it's before the kings were established, like King David. So we're roughly, we don't know exact dates, but between 1,500 and 1,000 years before Jesus, maybe 100 to 200 years before King David lived. So who were these judges that it talks about? Well, there was no king, but the judges were first. They kind of were like our judges that they would hear cases, you know, between people. But they were more than that. They were military leaders when God's people were attacked. But they were also spiritual leaders. Unfortunately, this was not a good time spiritually for God's people. There's a verse at the end of Judges, just before the book of Ruth. It says, in Israel, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. Not following God's will, but everyone did as they saw fit. And during this time, there's, there's like a repeating cycle in history. God's people wandered and strayed from him, even into idolatry at times. God would allow an affliction. Sometimes it was an enemy. Sometimes it was a natural disaster meant to bring them back. And they would... Clamor and they would call on God, and He would send one of the judges. Remember, like Samson was one, Gideon was another, and they would rescue God's people and give another time of peace and blessing. Well, the story of Ruth happens at one of those times of affliction. God had allowed a famine to cover the land, the area around Bethlehem, which is ironic because Bethlehem, you know what that literally means? the house of bread, but yet God allowed this famine. And so this family um, from the area of Bethlehem, Elimelech, Naomi, Malan, and Kilian, they became immigrants, and they moved to Moab. For us, it doesn't seem like a lot. We've all moved to different places. Uh, people in the military move every so often, pastors move. You know, We all have traveled, but for them... This was significant. They were leaving um, the influence of God's people, the influence of God's tabernacle. I mean, we shouldn't say that they were doing this out of unbelief, okay? But it wouldn't be ideal for them. Nevertheless, they did so because they needed to find food.
1: Then tragedy really hit. Elimelech
0: died, leaving Naomi as a widow. Okay. Her two sons married Moabite daughters. Again, this isn't 100% in keeping with what God says in, his, said in the Old Testament. He didn't want intermarriage with um, idolaters and pagans. But it, let's not be too, if the Bible doesn't condemn them, we shouldn't do it either. Okay. And then after about 10 years, both of her sons
1: passed away also leaving three widows, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth.
0: One an Israelite, two Moabites. If you know a little bit about the Bible, you always hear in the Bible about widows and orphans and like wanderers or foreigners. They were like the needy. And it's true. As three widows, this family of three widows would have a difficult life, even a miserable life. Um, They would depend on the generosity of other people, giving them handouts, basically. Eventually, Naomi recognized that God's goodness brought an end to the famine up in Judah. And she said, now I'm free to go back. And so she made plans to go ahead, and I'm sure she wanted to bring her daughters-in-law. In In fact, those were the plans. But then Naomi made sort of the difficult and the emotional decision in love for her two daughters-in-law. And she encouraged them to stay in Moab, their country, and go back to their family, go back to the house of their mother, it says, where they would still have an opportunity a better opportunity to remarry. And what did those two daughters-in-law say? No, we're going to go with you. And according to the customs of that day, like we're used to saying goodbye in the door, right? When you, somebody comes and then they're going to go by and we, at the door we say goodbye. There, you would go with the people. And especially in a case like this, they would go with her, maybe even all the way to her country before returning back. But on the way, Naomi stopped them, and she insisted and made a good, based on reality, an argument uh, for their good, an argument based on love, tried to convince them to stay home. She was hurting, but not so much that she stopped loving them. She was thinking of their well-being. And if they wanted to come, she wanted to make sure it was their Decision. So she encouraged them to go back, and Orpa did. She decided to go back and hugged and kissed, and she went back. But remember what? What about Ruth? She grabbed on. <laughs> she wouldn't let Naomi go. Naomi go. Okay. She clung to her. She would become her daughter. She would would not let her travel to her country, and she wouldn't. Let her live alone in her country there. And that's when we come to those verses 16 and 17. And here I do want to read um, verses 16 and 17. The words that Ruth spoke to her mother-in-law, right? Listen carefully. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death
1: separates you from me. And I think
0: last night I asked one of our members, or I asked the group, what do you think of those words? And the only answer was, wow. (laughs) Wow. Something happened in those 10 years
1: that Naomi spent in Moab.
0: Her faith didn't dry up and wither. She didn't fall away from faith. No, her faith and her faithfulness and her love and her commitment
1: touched Ruth.
0: Daughter in law, and God used her faithful words and devoted actions, her love and her commitment to God, and the love that she showed to Ruth. God used all of that to bring Ruth to faith. Did you hear that? Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So, Ruth, this former idol worshiper, came to be a believer in the true God. She, got, she became closer to her mother-in-law then than to her own mother and to her own family. Why? A Moabite by birth, but a true Israelite by faith. A believer in the one true God, just like Naomi, and in fact, because of Naomi. What an amazing thing.
1: She would go with her, with her mother-in-law,
0: where she would be more needy, where she would know one person (laughs) in the entire place, where she would have little chance of being remarried again. Why
1: would she do that? Selfless love. Because in that way, she could help and love and support Naomi. Total commitment to a person, Naomi, to a people,
0: her people, new people, but also to a God, the true God who, would, who had saved her and who would save all. Some powerful words and some powerful actions, not just fuzzy feelings of love or sentiments that can come and go, not just uh, a little effort one or two times. Committed love,
1: selfless love, and a common faith.
0: The story goes on. I'm going to have to ask you today, tomorrow, this week, you're going to have to read chapters 2, 3, and 4 for yourself. And it's worth it because it's, it's a wonderful story. But even though we're only looking at chapter 1 here today, there's plenty for us to take to heart and to take home with us in chapter 1. I mean, we can start with this. Here, as always, God is in charge. A lot of things happening, including tragedies, but God is, as he always is, is in charge then and now. And because God provides this for us in his word, we know that he is using this to teach us something. Naomi showed selfless
1: love to Ruth. Ruth
0: showed selfless love to Naomi. This wasn't just a relationship of mother-in-law and daughter-in-law
1: anymore. These were two sisters in Christ. Beloved, expressing their common faith. Selfless love and a common faith. brothers and sisters is there a way that we can put selfless love into action among us in our family
0: taking a you first demonstrating selfless love one to another kind of like Ruth and Naomi back and forth i like to think of it like when i if i went with rick to have a cup of coffee together and we were gonna, it came time to pay, I kind of imagine it would be like it often is. Rick would say, no, I'll pay. And what would I say? No, I'll pay. We'd almost fight over it, right? We like to do that. to Fight to see who can love more selflessly. Would that change our families? Can we put that selfless love in action in the congregation here?
1: Thinking. Of others, Can we put that into
0: action as we reach out into the community? Now, is there a way that we can express in a more meaningful or uh, frequent way the common faith that we have? Can we do that in our families with devotions and prayer and actively speaking God's word, parents and children, husbands and wives? Is there a way that we can express our common faith through our attendance at church and participation in the Lord's Supper? Is there a way that we can even express that common faith as we go together out into the community and impact the community for Christ? There is a way. We know it. But just as we heard in the lesson, we have a sinful nature. Our sinful nature thinks of ourselves first. And so once again, we need to think about the big picture. Selfless love, total commitment. Does that ring a bell? That has to remind us about Jesus and his selfless love for all people and his commitment to come and to save us, Uh, the story of Jesus, our Savior, the story of his faithfulness and his forgiveness for all people. Ruth said to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and be buried. And God forbid anything, even death,
1: will separate me from you. Have you heard these words ever at a wedding? Yeah?
0: So they're very, appro- it's a little bit of a license because Ruth and Naomi were not a couple. Okay, they're a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. So there's a little license, but doesn't this appropriately describe the selfless love and the common faith of a Christian couple as they come and share their vows with one another, right? So I'd like to take that little bit of a license and, and go with it. Echoing the words that Ruth spoke to Naomi, As if Jesus were speaking to us, because he has said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you, right? I will be with you wherever you go. My father will be your father. In fact, you will be my people, and nothing will come between my love and you. In fact, I will go to the cross and give up my life to make you. My people, and to join you together with others, sinners forgiven just like you, that you might share that common faith and show that selfless love to others. And because of Jesus, that allows us to respond kind of in the same way. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness, your faithful love shown to me in the forgiveness of my sins, for your love and your commitment. Never let me leave you. Never let me forsake you. Never let me outlive my love for you. I know that you have joined me to yourself. Your goal is that we might be where you are, in the home, in the house of our Heavenly Father. But you have also given me a family
1: of believers here. Help me to appreciate and to remain, and let nothing, even death,
0: separate me from you. And because of Jesus, we can say that one to another also, can't we? Let nothing separate you from me. Don't tell me to go away. Don't let nothing separate us.
1: May we express our love
0: selflessly and express the common faith that we have Together, we will be God's people, what he has made us to be. Together, we will grow in faith and in love and service. And and as we reach out to the community and to others, may the Lord deal with us ever so severely if we separate ourselves from this.
1: Dear brothers and sisters, will you do me a favor? Yes or no?
0: Will you do me a favor? Will you, The next time you hear a good story, right, will you think about this story of
1: Ruth and Naomi with all the
0: tragedy and the surprise, but especially the story of selfless love and of a common faith? And the next time you hear a good story, will you also think about the bigger story? The story of Jesus and his love for you and me and his love for us. The story of sinners who left him. But the story of committed love that found us, brought us together through the sacrifice of his life on the cross to give us Not really a happy ending, more of a
1: new beginning, right, in heaven. And will you do me a favor? Make your story, your life, your family, a story of selfless love and of common faith with your brothers and sisters. Now I'm asking, will you do me that favor? Actually, let me change that intentionally. Will you do it for Jesus' sake?
0: Amen. May the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding may keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus.
1: Amen.